Christian broadcasting on Thursday, July 15th, 2021 to my brothers and sisters with the crazy things that are going on around us. Many people are going to be broadcasting about what the Bible says, which is very important, and you should be listening to those. This is a little different. This is a focus on what's happening in our world and what does the Bible have to say about the world that we're living in right now and how we should be living. How are we to live in this world? That's what we're going to be talking about. And to start out, we're going to start out with a few headlines in the, in the news, just to give you an idea. This is crazy, ridiculous times that we're living in. So just a few of these headlines and, and where we could go with this. Pushing vaccines while banning ivermectin is global collusion to cause as much harm and death as possible. Vaccines. Well, we definitely know all about vaccines right now. We've got them all the time. But ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine are two drugs that were promulgated early on, that were suggested early on could be the solution to the uh, quote-unquote pandemic. And as you will recall, those drugs were banned for use across most of this country by various organizations, the CDC, the WHO, claiming that they were very dangerous and that they shouldn't be utilized. Well, some doctors utilize them anyway, and it turns out that they aren't dangerous at all, and they, they uh, save lives. In fact, by not using them, many people probably died that could have been saved. So what are the key words on this? Vaccine, pandemic, maybe genocide, and certainly stupidity of not utilizing the drugs that we have, cheap, widely available drugs that have been used for a long time. Well, whether you agree with that or whether you don't agree with that, these are issues that are in the headlines today. Here's another one. Environmentalists feel burned by Biden's infrastructure bill. They wanted another $2.1 trillion in climate spending. $2.1 trillion. We spend money, the government spends money like it's just printing it on pieces of paper. It's like it doesn't even exist anymore. Do, when was the last time the federal government even had a budget? I don't think they even know what a budget is anymore. They just spend money ridiculously. This is, of course, money that comes out of some place. Where does it come from? Does it come from us? Does it come from the magic mystery money machine? Where, where does it come from and what does it mean when they spend all this trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars? What is going to happen to our currency system? And what does that mean to us Christians as the currency gets degraded and eventually collapses? One more. Soros-backed group demands the U.S. We love Soros. The U.S. accept millions of climate refugees in upcoming years. Oh, he's demanding. His group is demanding that we accept millions of climate refugees. Climate refugees. So, key words here are Climate change, again, climate's showing up. Immigration, what are the roots? Why? Why should we accept anybody? And should we as Christians accept just anybody who wants to come in? It's obviously social justice. I'm not a big fan of that term, but that term factors into this. That doesn't even begin to address other issues of the day, such as the mega drought in the Northwest. Tremendous drought. 120 plus degree temperatures in British Columbia mountainous area well north of the United States. Nowhere near those temperatures have ever been reached there. In fact, I don't know, I haven't checked today, but they were very close to breaking the all-time high record uh, in, I think they did break it actually, in Death Valley, and they were one degree away from breaking the world record for heat in the entire planet. It was in Death Valley. There's a drought associated with this. Crazy things going on with the drought. The farmers are shutting down fields. They're basically destroying entire groves of nut-producing trees because they don't have the water to water them. At the same time, 
Some government officials are releasing water from reservoirs to where? The ocean. And why are they doing this in the middle of a drought when water levels are, are plunging and there's very little water available for anybody and farmers aren't able to grow food? Well, it's because of the fish. They have to save the fish. The salmon will suffer if they don't release the water. So we're living in some really interesting times. And, you know, Christians are caught in the middle of this. And, you know, we want to know how are we to live? What are we supposed to do with this? I hear things going on in the news and in the headlines and on podcasts, people talking about this is the end times, that Jesus isn't coming back, that he's empowered us, we've got to save ourselves, that we are in the last days, and that this is Armageddon. These are just not good biblical ideas. So we're going to talk about what good biblical ideas are and how the Bible affects us today, because it's very important. The Bible has a lot to say about the end times. It has a lot to say about when those times approach, what it's going to look like. And I would agree that we are approaching the end times. It has a lot to say about it because we have a job to do during that time period. No, Jesus is not going to come and snatch us all away so that we're gone during the difficult times. Yes, he is going to come back and we are going to be raptured at some point before God's wrath is poured out. But there's a lot of wrath that gets poured out prior to that, where the Christians are here to do a job. It isn't going to be a fun job. God never said, you're going to have a fun job all the time. We've had a fun time in America for many, many decades. We have been living it up in the easy life. We haven't had to suffer. We haven't had to endure the way that Christians of the past have and Christians around the world have. But I think those times are coming to an end. And so without wanting to frighten everybody, we're not supposed to be frightened. We're not supposed to have a spirit of fear. We're supposed to have a spirit of determination. We're supposed to know how we are to live no matter what the times bring. Now we're going to talk about the times. We're going to talk about what's going on in the world today. We're going to talk about what's going on in America and how it affects Christians. But it doesn't really matter what happens because we still have a job to do no matter what comes. But it does matter that we understand what our job is and how we're to carry it out, because otherwise we're going to be subject to being deceived and we're going to be subject to being confused during those times. Jesus doesn't want us deceived and he doesn't want us confused. He wants us to be able to function as Christians in his kingdom before he comes back to finalize the deal here on the earth. So these are the things that we're going to be talking about. And on this very first broadcast, we're going to cover a few topics that are important sort of as a groundwork for that. And then in future broadcasts, we're going to be talking with other people as well as talking about specific subjects as they come up with the idea that we're here to prepare everybody you need to be encouraged, but I'm not saying encouraged in a false way. I'm not going to give you false hope that the things are going to you know, turn out to be peaches and roses in the future. But I also don't want you to be depressed. I don't want you to think that nothing is going to go right and that it's just going to be misery and horror from here on out, because that also isn't true. We need a balanced perspective. That's how we make progress. So what is the general principle that the Bible says that we should use in how we should live, how we should live our lives. Well, in Matthew 10, 16, Jesus said, be shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves. Let's break that down a little bit. So shrewd, what does the term shrewd mean? People sometimes have a negative connotation of that word, but obviously Jesus didn't mean it in a negative way. So Merriam-Webster says it's defined as clever discerning awareness. 
so clever, skillful, or adroit. You have skill to do something, and you're discerning. And we, we all know in Christian life, we should be discerning about things and awareness, aware of what's going on around us. So we need to use a skill in being discerning about what is going on around us. That's what he meant by being shrewd. And he was advising his followers that you're going to need to be shrewd because why? Because times are going to be good and everything's going to be uh, great for everyone? No, because it's going to be very difficult. And there's going to be a lot of people around who are not going to be on our side. So we have to be shrewd. So the first thing that we need then is to be discerning between two fundamental opposites in life. And that is, could it be good and evil? Yeah, that's one thing. But I would say truth versus fiction, especially in our society. What's true versus what's untrue. Now, start talking about truth in the modern era, and you, you get into a lot of relativistic arguments. You get into a lot of my truth versus your truth. But that isn't the way that the Bible uses the word truth. Truth, and that's really not the way anybody should use the word truth, because that has no real meaning. There's not a my truth and your truth. There's just a truth. Something is true or it's false. And it's demonstrably true or it's demonstrably false. But in order to demonstrate that it's demonstrably true or false, you need something. You need a standard of measurement to compare against in order to determine if something is true or something is false. I would say in America, in our current modern culture, there's three basic standards of measure that we use to determine whether something's true or false. So the first, which we hear a lot about from Anthony Fauci and others, is science. Science is something that we use as a standard of measure to determine if something is true. And science is based on physical laws and and scientific principles. The next thing that we use is government. We use government to determine what's true, and that's based upon laws, statutes, and regulations that are promulgated by our governmental authorities. If something is true, then we can find it in the, in the laws. If something is false, you violated one of those things, well, you're, you have some problems. And then there's the Christians, and of course, our gold standard of truth is the Bible, and particularly Jesus. Jesus said, I am truth. Pontius Pilate, you know, when he was interviewing him, and uh, interviewing is kind of a kind word, when he was interrogating him in the prison cell, you know, and he was trying to find out if Jesus was really the king of the Jews, Jesus sort of indirectly answered him and told him that the people who were interested in truth did what he said. And Pilate scornfully said, what is truth? As he stormed out to the rest of the Jews that were outside waiting for him. That's a typical attitude of even today. What is truth? It's whatever I want it to be. No, Jesus said, I am truth. And that's a rather monumental claim that he is the standard of truth. As Christians, we have three standards now that we can use. We have science. Science has three things I want you to understand. I'm a scientist. It's one of the things that I do in life. I'm a scientist. I get paid for it. I'm a geologist. So I know a lot about science. There's a few things that you need to know about it. There is, in science, facts. Those don't change. Those are the basic building blocks of science. There is opinion. An opinion is what somebody thinks about those facts. And the opinion may be right, may be wrong, may be true, may be false, may be some component of both. And then there's interpretation of the facts. How do we, it's not just my opinion of what the facts mean, but it's how do I put those facts into a larger context? All three of those things have to be understood in order to evaluate a scientific claim. And 
the confusion between those three things, facts, opinions, and interpretation, are what lead to uh, misunderstandings in science, that's the polite thing to say, or um, deliberate distortion in, in science. Scientists who use their greater knowledge of a subject in order to leverage it for an, some kind of an advantage. Then there's the government. Government is got its own issues. So in government truth, uh, there is obviously direct comparison with written texts, right? The laws are all written down. Lawyers spend a lot of time studying the words and trying to figure out exactly what they mean. So you directly compare to that. Those are the standard that you use when trying to determine truth. But then there's also interpretive violations. No law, no matter how extensive human law, covers every situation. And so there are interpretations that are applied in terms of whether you violated the law or not. And then there's procedural violations. It's not necessarily that you've done something wrong that the law is trying to prevent. It's that you didn't follow the law correctly. You violated a procedure, and that's, that's a problem. And then there are future violations. These days, some people in the legal community are trying to discern what somebody's going to do in the future and determine truth based upon what they believe is going to happen. So those are all characteristics of government truth that we have to look at and have to understand. And then finally, the Bible. While the Bible might seem like it's pretty straightforward to a Christian in terms of truth, there are three components of that as well. There's explicit truth. Those are the things that the Bible says are fact. And as Christians, we take them to be fact. There is implicit truth. Those are the things that are implied by what the Bible says. There's a little bit of interpretation involved in that and a little bit of perhaps disagreement on what is implied and what is not. And then there are the things that the Bible is silent on. It has no direct references to particular issues that might be of great import to us, but the Bible doesn't have anything directly to say about that. And so trying to discern the truth from a biblical context in that case can be a little bit uh, problematic, and we might have to bring in some of these other things in order to do that. So we have these three tools now that we can use as Christians in order to try to figure out things about truth. And why do we need to do that? Well, there's a, there's a human element. We need to figure out what's true and what's not because people are inherently evil and corrupt. Except for those, well, actually all people are evil and corrupt, but those who have been granted grace by God to be saved are the ones who are better able to act less evilly and corruptly. This is the distinction between Christianity and every other religion in the world. Every other religion pretty much says people are good, but they learn to be evil. Christianity has the opposite take. People are evil, and um, it's only by God's grace that any of us are saved. Um, and it's just a degree of evil that we all practice that really distinguishes one from, from another. The evil component of human nature is always desiring to get three things. Notice what I said. The evil component of human nature is desiring to get three things. That doesn't mean every human being is desiring to get these three things. To the extent that evil controls our lives, it does. To the extent that it doesn't, it has less effect on us. So these three things are power, that's control over the lives of other human beings. Wealth, that's control over material things and natural resources of the world. And admiration, that is control over human minds. Those are the things, especially today, that people are seeking, that people are trying to obtain, or at least that people with evil intent are trying to obtain. Slavery occurs when one or more people achieve a monopoly in any of these areas. 
if you have a monopoly in power or wealth or admiration even, you have basically enslaved the people over which you have the monopoly. That is what they are seeking. That's what communism seeks. It seeks absolute power and control of all the wealth. And, you know, if you have those two, you don't really need the admiration. Although if you don't at least feign to admire the leaders, they, you know, generally dispose of you one way or the other. To achieve these things, those people who are seeking power, wealth, and admiration, they lie. They try to appear to be something that they're not. And they try to make their version of slavery look as attractive as they can. Or if they can't make it look attractive, what they try to do is to make it look necessary in order to combat some perceived threat. Those are the two primary ways that nefarious people operate. They try to appear to be angels of light, to put it in a biblical context or in a, in a biblical phraseology. They try to appear to be good and helpful and, and wonderful, but actually what they're trying to do is they're trying to enslave us. And many people get caught up in these lies and these manipulations. These are people who don't discern well, who don't understand the nefarious nature of many human souls. They often don't have any idea that they're being manipulated or that they're being deceived. And when they do figure it out, they have really no idea what to do about it. There are lies swirling around America right now. They're everywhere. We can see them for what they are, but it's not always easy to see them for what they are because they're being disguised as other things. Now, another thing that I have going for me is I have a background in intelligence analysis. I was a military intelligence analyst. And that is an area where you learn very quickly to not believe everything you see. Why? Because in the intelligence world, people are trying to deceive each other. That's what it's all about. It's about deception. It's about one side trying to make the other side not understand truth and instead believe something to be true that is not. That's a lie. And both sides are doing it simultaneously. So I'll, I'll go through a little example as to why this is important that we start to think maybe a little bit like an intelligence analyst. So I'm an older person and my days in that area were uh, long ago and I was stationed in Germany during the period of time when there was very big concern about an invasion from the Soviet Union into the NATO countries. They had a two to one advantage in combat aircraft two and a half to one advantage in combat troops, a five to one advantage in tanks, and a 20 to one advantage in artillery. I was stationed a few miles from the border. It was pretty much understood that in the event of an invasion, they would be on our positions in a little bit under an hour, probably substantially less than that. Being in, in the intelligence world, part of what we were tasked with doing is paying attention to what was going on so that our side would have some forewarning about a potential invasion should it occur. So one of the things that we did was we tried to figure out if there, what the likelihood was that the Soviets or their allies were going to conduct um, a hostile operation directed against the West. So Bad guys aren't going to tell you what they're going to do. So the question is, uh, how do you figure out what they're going to do when they're not telling you and I can't go over and ask them? We know they lie a lot and they deceive about their intentions. We know they spread misinformation about what they're going to do and they try to manipulate the thought processes of their enemies. So what we do, one of the main techniques that intelligence analysts use is we look at pattern recognition. We look for patterns. 
And when you start to see deviations from patterns, that's an indication that something might be happening. If you think about it, if you've got a, a large force, military force, sitting in a garrison, sitting basically in their home and just basically doing their normal operations, it doesn't take a whole lot of resources. But if you start to move that large operation and you start to move it someplace, it takes a lot of coordination, a lot of resources, fuel, food. You have to move these materials. You have to get people out of the way and you know in terms of the road systems and you have to start moving things and that changes the patterns that's one of the things one of many things that intelligence analysts look for when it comes to military operations so one way to discern that something's going on even if you don't know what it is even if you don't know the full extent of the meaning of it is to look for changes in patterns and that tells you that something might be going on that is being masked or being hidden. Let's think about it. Let's think about what's been going on now for the past 18 months. Here are some of the things that we might want to look at in terms of patterns. We have been wearing a lot of masks lately. That's not something normal. That's something pretty abnormal. We've been undergoing lockdowns of economies all around the world where, you know, if you happen to own a large amount of stock in a mega corporation like Walmart or Amazon, you did pretty well. But if you happen to be a small businessman, um, you pretty much suffered. That's not normal. That's not a normal thing that we do. There was forced suppression of medical treatments that were safe and they were advertised by officials in the government as being unsafe. So that's not normal. Normally we don't do that. If we have a medication that's been in use for decades and it's known to be safe and it's given to pregnant women and children freely in countries all over the world, we don't call that an unsafe medicine. So that's kind of unusual. Um, there was a consistent narrative about this across the entire planet. You got the same story coming out of every single country. That's not always normal either. That's kind of a strange thing. Uh, and widespread censorship of dissenting opinions. That's not normal. I mean, there is always some censorship, but this is censorship gone crazy. If you say anything against the official narrative, you just completely get deplatformed. You get cut off. You get it's that's not normal. There's many other things. Monopolistic activities by big tech and mainstream media, such as the deplatforming and hate hit pieces that they do on individuals and organizations, demonetization of organizations, and demonization of individuals and organizations. That hasn't been normal. I mean, it has been normal a little bit in the past, but not to the extent that it's been expressed over the last 12 months. Okay, so that's just the big thing, you know, the COVID thing. But what else has been going on? Well, there's wild weather fluctuations going on. Oh, what is weather, Peter? What does that have to do with anything? Well, I'll tell you, there's some strange things going on with weather that are not looking very natural. I'll just put it that way. There's been unprecedented heat and drought in the West. Now, the West is also known for heat and drought, but not to the extent that it's been affecting the northwestern part of the country, especially up into Canada. That's not normal. There's been church interference. That's not normal. I mean, it's normal in some parts of the world, but it's not normal in America. It's not normal in North America. It's not normal in Canada. You don't normally see arson attacks against churches, and then you have uh, prime ministers and other government officials basically shrug. That's not normal. So can we see some changes to our life patterns? Well, yes, we can. So that's something that we need to pay attention to as Christians in order to discern what might truly be going on.
We fortunately live in a country where we have a series of amendments that do what they can to protect our individual liberties and rights. And the very first one of those amendments was the, the right to freedom of speech. And that's important because communication is essential in order for us to be able to discern correctly what's going on so that we can know how to live our lives. We have to be able to communicate. When you shut down communication, when you monopolize communication, when you make communication conform to a narrative, you have no idea what's true. I can't know it and neither can you. That's how truth dies. That's the main mechanism every tyranny uses to control individuals. And when truth dies, people tend to die. Lots of people. Five million people died directly from atrocities committed in Germany in World War II. Russia, before World War II, during the purges of Lenin and Stalin, killed tens of millions of individuals. And of course, during the Cultural Revolution, the Chinese killed uncounted tens of millions, possibly as many as 60 million people during that period of time. Death and killing of people is a control mechanism for people who are seeking those three things, power, wealth, and admiration. That's how they control the population. There's a monument that was constructed in Georgia called the Georgia Guidestones. Georgia Guidestones, there's some debate as to who put it there, but you should know that it's there. It's an expensive monument. It's obviously people who have a lot of disposable income to spend on it. And it claims that the target goal for human population on this earth in order to sustain ourselves should be 500 million people. We currently have somewhere around 7 billion people. To reduce that population to 500 million will require the death of approximately 90 to 95% of Earth's population. Now, somebody thinks that's a good idea. And somebody who thinks that it's a good idea has a lot of money to spend on making a monument to what amounts to genocide. That's not just something that happens and it doesn't have any meaning. It has a meaning. There are people with tremendous amounts of money who might not think the way that we do and who might want to impose the way they think on others. So we are to be discerning. Jesus tells us, told us very explicitly that as the time approached his return, things would get worse and worse and worse. And while that happened, we have a job to do because our opportunities, ironically, as times get worse and worse, our opportunities as Christians to make a meaningful difference in the kingdom will actually go up individually. That's not to say it's going to be a cakewalk, but it is to say that we will have opportunities if we can discern the times correctly and discern what's going on. And so that's what this podcast is about. It is about discerning the things of the world that surround us as Christians so that we can be prepared and we can actually make a difference in the meaningful way towards Christian community and towards Christ's ultimate kingdom when he returns. It's going to be a little bit of Bible study, but it's going to be a lot more about what's going on in the world and what does the Bible say about what's going on in the world. So I hope that you stick with this broadcast because this is going to have some important things to say. We're in a very difficult time in human history, and with this difficult time, we need to be as equipped as we possibly can in order to be those people, those watchmen that Christ put on the wall and said, you watch for the things that are going to occur, and then when these things occur, you act. And so that's what we're here for. So let's, let's wrap this up with a very brief prayer for those who are listening. Father, Lord, 
We know that there, not everybody who listens to this broadcast is a Christian. We know that uh, there are some doubts as to whether or not Christianity is actually true, and I would hope to be able to address those doubts as we move along in this series. But nevertheless, I ask that you have mercy on the people who might have some doubts and bring them to you. And for those who don't, and for those who are looking forward to being a member of your kingdom, not just now on this earth, in this life, but in the future, I ask that you look at, look over those individuals and you help them to learn discernment and to practice it in their lives so that they can make the biggest difference right now that they can. And I ask this in Jesus' name for his glory. Amen. Thank you for listening, and I look forward to talking to you the next time. 